welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Krabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident Krabby Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Lisa, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Thank you so much. Your The title of your podcast is so fascinating to me. <laughs> Thank you. It's also the title of my book. So we just went, we went all in on the crappy. It works for us. So the conversation that we are going to have today is so necessary and it is around your new book, which came out today. Congratulations. Thank you. Good boundaries and goodbyes, loving others without losing the best of who you are. Who that I, and as someone who like I know, you know, as much as you let the internet know of what you've walked through in life, even just in the last five to 10 years, it gives this book a little bit, you know, like that personal touch of knowing that you these are things you've had to do the hard way. Absolutely. And they were really crappy things. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's fascinating, you know, the, the title of your book and then your podcast, because Christians are not immune to really crappy situations. Amen. Absolutely. Well, and first thing I want to talk about is how counter Christian cultural, this conversation of boundaries and goodbyes can be. So often this conversation is based and never leaves the the small pocket of turn the other cheek, forgive 70 times seven, which yes, that is in scripture for a reason. I think those are really beautiful ways to live your life. And it's not even a but, it's an and, right? Jesus had boundaries and Jesus gave us examples of how to protect what's been given to you so that you can love others well. Do you kind of feel like you're going against the grain a little bit with this conversation? I don't think I'm going against the grain as much as I'm determined to educate people on the reality that boundaries are not just a good idea. They're actually God's idea. Mm -hmm. When we look in Genesis chapter one, God established the foundation of the world using boundaries. He separated light from darkness. He separated dry land from the sea. He separated the sky from the water. And then by the time we get to Genesis 2, we see of all the subject matters God could have chosen for the first recorded conversation with man, he chose the topic of a boundary. God did that. Yeah. And when we look at that conversation, it's fascinating because God not only showed us that boundaries are necessary to establish, they're an effective communication tool, but also God showed us that he was fighting for Adam, not against Adam in establishing this boundary. God said, you are free. So see, God isn't using the boundary to control Adam. Mm -hmm. He is establishing where the freedom is by telling him where the boundary is, because that's when you can discover real freedom. Right. None of us wants to tiptoe. Like, is this okay? Is that okay? I can't imagine Adam walking up to every tree and going, can I eat from this tree? Can I eat from this tree? So God gave him quite a gift. He said, yes, you can eat from all the trees. You're free to, to, to do that. 
except just not this one tree. And it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or else you'll die. So you see, God was not being overly restrictive. He was actually being protective. And that's what a boundary does. Boundaries help us fight for the relationship so we don't have to get so emotionally chaotic fighting against one another. And I think that that's really fascinating. And then you mentioned some really good verses. And so I'm going to choose one of those. Let's choose the one where you said, forgive 70 times seven. Yes, Jesus absolutely said, forgive 70 times seven. And Jesus also had extreme compassion and did not leave people in situations of abuse or injustice. So when Jesus instructs us, forgive 70 times seven, I don't believe he meant stay with that person who is abusing you, hurting you, belittling you, whatever the case is. Don't stay so close that you continue to you know, get hurt. Create enough distance with that person that if they never change mm -hmm. and you are required to forgive them 70 times seven, you can do so without getting destroyed in the process. Right. Well, because staying in it is what destroys us. Mm -hmm. it's not the forgiveness, you know, and boundaries have such a negative connotation. You know, I literally had lunch with a friend on Sunday who is struggling in a relationship where we we're talking about boundaries and I could see her grappling with, am I allowed to have boundaries? Does boundaries mean I don't love this person? And it's just crazy how out of God's character we've gotten the idea of boundaries. Like it means you hate that person. Right. And, you know, that's because we have uh, a misunderstanding of what a boundary is. Boundaries aren't meant to shove others away. Boundaries are meant to help us remain self-controlled, stable, and sane. Mm -hmm. That's important. So it's a, boundaries are really a communication tool right. to establish what is and is not acceptable, what we will and will not tolerate, what we do and do not have to give. That's what boundaries do. Boundaries communicate that. So it takes a lot of the mystery and on a lot of the angst out of the relationship. But I do hear sometimes people say, I know, but aren't boundaries just signs of unforgiveness? Okay, let's dispel that right away. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote a whole book on forgiveness called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. So I've studied forgiveness in the Bible for over a thousand hours. I know a thing or two about forgiveness. I still sometimes have resistance to forgiveness because sometimes I'm a crappy Christian. Right? <laughs> and sometimes, you know, the pain is real and I don't ever want to not acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge that this stuff is hard and the relational pain is really, really, really challenging and deep. So, but here's the thing. When somebody does something to us, we can forgive for the fact of what happened. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We can make that choice to be obedient to God and say, I am choosing out of obedience to God for, to forgive this person for the fact of what they did. And whatever my feelings will not yet allow for the blood of Jesus will surely cover it. So that is a marked moment where you have chosen to be obedient to God and forgive that person for the fact of what happened. But any kind of trauma done to you, any kind of hurt done to you, it's not just fact, it's also impact. And the impact is where boundaries need to be considered so mm -hmm. that you provide enough space for yourself to find the healing and to recognize what is sustainable and what is not sustainable, what is safe and what is not safe. 
what will help you stay self-controlled and what will fight against you staying self-controlled. And so I think we have to remember that a hurt done to you is fact and impact. You forgive for the fact, and that's a marked moment in time. And you allow yourself the grace to walk through the impact and to draw necessary boundaries in order to heal. That healing, I've recently started kind of seeing life through a healing, healed, not healed lens. And it's not a judgmental one. It is a, it is, I think, one of compassion and lots of therapy, but that you can, you can encounter someone and pretty quickly by that conversation, start to pick up. Everybody's walking through trauma. Are you healing or are you not? Are you not in that season? And it's not that the people that aren't healing or or have not healed that they're like, oh no, like I'm done with you. You're, you're out of here, but it's, you're going to engage with those people differently because as someone, and I'm sure you can attest to it as well, who has been unhealed, it is so messy. And you're just bleeding out on the people around you because you're not like stepping into what God has offered you in healing and healing takes work and effort and time. But when you're in that world, boundaries don't feel like love. Mm-hmm. Boundaries feel like this person doesn't want anything to do with me anymore, or this person is putting me in my place. I think that that's a lot of people's concern with setting the boundary is how is this going to make, like, how do I make this land with the other person and them understand that I'm not kicking them out of my life because I hate them. I'm trying to do this for both of us. Right. And there is an art form to communicating healthy boundaries. And so that's why it was so important to me as I wrote Good Boundaries and Goodbyes to fill that book with scripts that people can take and model their own conversations after, and also to provide some clarity around misunderstood Bible verses. There's a whole bonus section at the back of the book about Bible verses that have been weaponized against us to make us drop our boundaries. But we have to remember boundaries should never be used as a weapon. Yes. Boundaries are not a tool of manipulation or control. Boundaries are meant to be an effective way to communicate what, again, what is acceptable, what's not acceptable and what we can give and what we cannot give. And so when boundaries are placed on us, if we are healthy, we will respect a healthy boundary. But as my counselor, Jim Cress, who weighs in throughout this book, as he says, an unhealthy person has never met a boundary that they like. Right. And so, you know, we don't want to go around labeling people. You're healthy. You're not healthy. Right. But we don't want to do that. But also in Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, I give you a lot of lists to look at those lists and to start to make some wise choices by becoming more aware of behaviors that maybe we are tolerating that we should not be tolerating. And maybe we've done it so long that we've normalized dysfunction. And I'm guilty of that. I'm writing this from my own admission mm-hmm. that I have I have struggled with this. I have tolerated things way longer than they should have ever been tolerated to the point where I started calling things that were absolutely not normal, normal. Yeah. Because I was too afraid that by addressing it, the other person might walk away from me or reject me or because I didn't know how to address it. 
or because you didn't know it was unhealthy, like that it wasn't okay. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Or because I just didn't know better. Yeah. Like it had been normalized if it was all you ever knew. Mm -hmm. Then those are the worst wake ups, the worst and the best. We're like, wait, hold on. I've been normalizing this, accepting this, allowing this. And all like for me, it's all of a sudden I'm so aware of how in pain I am. Yes. And how much like it's, I know the subtitle is without losing the best of who you are, you're starting to lose it. Yeah. So we want to love others without losing the best of who we are. And so here's an example of one of those self-reflection questions or a couple of these self-reflection questions just to check yourself, you know, yeah. one is, do you ever feel like you have to diminish the best of who you are to help cover up the worst of who someone else is? That's rude. <laughs> like, let me pull my toes back because I'm stepping on them, right? Oh, right. A hundred percent. Here's another thing. When your wise friends ask you about this relationship, do you make things better than they are? Do you intentionally leave out hard details or are you really honest? You want honest help at helping you assess Mm -hmm. what may need to be addressed in this relationship, but are you leaving out those facts just because you don't want other people to know that about Mm -hmm. this other person? So I say in the book, I crave peace and I crave connection so much that I tend to believe the best about who people are. And that is a great quality until it makes me start denying reality. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a flag has to be full on fire burning to the ground before I tilt my head and go, huh, that was a little red, wasn't it? (laughs) And I want to get better at that. And so- These checklists in the book or these questions to consider are ways that we can become more self-aware. Where are we tolerating things we should not be tolerating? Mm -hmm. Where we lost kind of cross that line between compassion, which is good and enabling, which is not. Right. So I'm listening to you present those questions. And what's crazy is to think that there have been times where I thought those things were love, that making myself smaller to make them them comfortable, that that's love or that leaving out the ugly details when trust, not like general public, but when trusted people ask you about it, that that was love. Mm-hmm. And it it's not. Yeah, well, we should never make our definition of healthy keeping them happy, Mm -hmm. you know, like their form of being happy should not suddenly become our definition of healthy Mm -hmm. or normal. And so we, we really have to be careful with that. And, you know, I can hear other people saying, well, didn't Jesus lay down his life for his friends? And didn't Jesus model that for us and teach us to do that? Yes. Jesus laid down his life for a high and holy purpose. Jesus did not lay down his life to enable bad behavior to continue. Amen. Amen. I love that you talk, you're talking about things that have been weaponized against believers to keep them in these toxic situations or from setting boundaries that can help the situations get less toxic. I want to talk about goodbyes because to me, like, I think we're starting to 
eke into the boundaries conversation. But when you start talking about goodbyes, people get real uncomfortable. And I've talked about one of the things that I talk about in my book and on my platform a lot is friendship breakups because I went through a lot of them in a short period of time. And then when I looked around, I didn't feel like anybody was talking about it. And the pushback that I, I mean, there's a lot of pushback, but one of the biggest ones was like, well, I'm so glad Jesus didn't turn his back on me. I'm like, I mean, yeah, okay. That's a take, but that's it's so multifaceted. I'm not turning my back on anyone, but you have had to say goodbye. And I think that is a very normal part of life is you don't get to take everyone with you. So kind of what's the like flyover? I know it's a whole book, but what's the flyover of goodbyes for you? Well, when Jesus had the interaction with the rich young ruler, Jesus gave the rich young ruler a choice. He could do this or not. And when the rich young ruler chose not and he walked away, Jesus did not chase him down, begging him to make a different decision or trying to control him or manipulate him to make a different decision. I see Jesus allowing him to walk away. And so many times when relationships end because of unresolved conflict, or maybe there's some toxicity there, or, you know, it's just, maybe you're just seeing life in two different ways. Maybe it doesn't mean that they're wrong and you're right, Mm -hmm. or you're right and they're wrong, you know, whatever. It could just mean you're going in two different directions, which means a division, right? But I think we have to remember that goodbyes are going to happen. They are going to happen. So why not study biblically the best way to do it? Why not look at examples in the Bible where goodbyes did happen Mm -hmm. and learn biblically how to handle it instead of shoving it under the rug, pretending it doesn't exist and suffering when it does exist, feeling like we're a bad Christian. I mean, look at Paul and Barnabas in the Bible. Paul and Barnabas were both good men. The Bible tells us they had a sharp disagreement over whether Barnabas's cousin, I think his name was John Mark, could go along on the next ministry venture that they had going. And Paul said no, and Barnabas said yes. And they had such a sharp disagreement that they decided they needed to go separate ways. Now, the Bible tells us that these two men still accomplished great ministry work and actually accomplished more ministry work because they went their separate ways. And so we do see several different kinds of goodbyes exemplified in the Bible. But here's the secret with Paul and Barnabas. There's no indication that either of them diminished the other person's ministry or talked so poorly about them or did something to hurt the other person's ministry or disqualified the other person's ministry. As a matter of yeah. fact, I think they kept their hearts soft enough that by time passing over time, we see an indication that Paul shows great affection mm-hmm. for John Mark again, you know, and, and for Barnabas's cousin and that they actually come back together and Paul shows great affection to him. So they didn't allow that space of time of separation to be filled with bitterness Mm-hmm. They did ministry assignments and neither of them were bad people, but they had a sharper d- disagreement and they went separate ways. So we do see sometimes we go our separate ways. Sometimes people walk away from us. And then other times 
it's not so much that we're walking away. It's that we have to accept reality. If this other person is unwilling or incapable of changing, then we may need to separate for a season or maybe for a lifetime, taking steps, not leaps. Mm -hmm. But if Mm -hmm. we've done everything that we can, at some point, we have to accept reality that maybe this is an unsustainable. And in the case of one of my most important relationships that I had to walk away from, I didn't walk away, I accepted reality, but it had become unbiblical to the point it was no longer reasonable for me to stay. Well, and the example that you gave at the very beginning of the young rich ruler, so often goodbyes really do do come down to you give someone a choice and they make a decision. That's right. You know, you're giving them, this is what I'm asking of you and it is reasonable. And the other option is I can't and won't do this anymore. And they make the, they make the decision and the relationship ends. My personal favorite scriptural goodbye is when Judas portrays Jesus And that has carried me through so many goodbyes because Jesus, in one of the accounts, Judas goes to leave and Jesus says, go do what you're going to do. But then he turns back to the disciples and gives them his greatest commandments. Like he could have, if he was us, (laughs) been like, oh, freaking Judas. Like, I know what he's going to do. And he's the worst and given a sermon about betrayal. But what he did was like, hey. Like love, love, love is everything. Like love me, love each other. Like I've loved you that like covers the law. If we can let people walk away from us because they've made a decision and still like, I see Jesus leaning into people that loved him and loving them. Well, it doesn't mean it doesn't suck, but isn't that the most ideal goodbye, you know, is I release you go do what you're going to do. I'm going to choose to focus on love. That's right. And Jesus never confused the good command to love with the bad behavior of enabling. Mm -hmm. And so I I do think that we, we have to go back to God's definition of love. And it's not that we're trying to hold up God's definition of love and make other people match that list. It's that we need to remember that if we want to follow God's command for us to love, then we need to protect ourselves from being so frazzled and fractured that we start violating. And our our love is none of the definitions. You know, maybe our love is not patient. It's not kind. It's, you know, not seeking the other person's highest good. It's keeping a record of wrongs. You know, all of those right. things. I think we need to remember boundaries, again, are not meant to shove other people away or to judge them for their issues or to point out flaws in them. Boundaries are us acknowledging reality. It's a wonderful communication tool for us to establish and communicate what is and is not acceptable. And it is our responsibility not to control other people, but to keep ourselves self-controlled, safe, and sane. Absolutely. There's also a concept that you talk about in your book that's really interesting to me is the idea of boundaries strengthening relationships. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of experience with that. Most of the boundaries that I have had to set have honestly, in the end, like usually ended the relationship. Well, boundaries should also be a way to help us avoid extremes. So where, where there's relational chaos, there's usually a need for a boundary. 
And I pray that as people read Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, that they're better able to notice, oh, there's some relational chaos here. There's the need for a boundary, which means there's a need for some communication around what is and is not acceptable here. And boundaries should help us avoid extremes. Boundaries Mm -hmm. should help us avoid the extreme of ignoring the issues and just putting up with what we should not put up with to just becoming so irate over the issues that we just walk away from the relationship and explode, right? So boundaries help us bring it back to the middle. And what I mean by bringing it back to the middle is that boundaries should communicate, again, what is and is not acceptable, what we can and cannot give for the sake of fighting for the relationship so we don't have to spend so much time fighting against one another. And I think, let me give you an example of a relationship in my life that improved because of a boundary. When I was walking through my divorce, my adult children came to me and said, mom, we know that while you walk through this, you're going to need to process a lot. And we are requesting that you not process it with us because it's just too hard on our heart. And I could have said, what? Are you serious? Do you not know what I've been through? I mean, how dare you just tell me what I can and cannot talk about, you know? And I could have had a really bad reaction and that would have really harmed my relationship with my adult children. Right. But because I was knee deep in studying boundaries and being held accountable by my own message, I remember healthy people respect healthy boundaries. That was a healthy boundary my children were trying to establish. And so I said, yes, I will respect that boundary. And I did. And I saw the relief on my children's faces Mm -hmm. and it gave them an opportunity. If I ever started to cross the line for them to remind me, remember mom, if you need to process this, you, you don't need to process that with us. And in the end, it showed my children that I could make a healthy choice and respect that boundary. And it empowered them to know they didn't have to live in a constant fear of me bringing stuff up that they didn't want to talk about. And so my relationship with my adult kids, it led to more respect. It led to more intimacy. It led to more safety for them and honestly, more appropriate behavior for me. And ultimately it bonded us together. And I'm so grateful for that. That's so beautiful. And I think ideal that your children felt safe enough to bring that to you. I think there's probably a lot of sons and daughters out there that don't even feel like they could say that. Y'all had set that precedent that we can communicate this way. And then when they did bring a boundary that I'm sure maybe there was a small part of you that I think with healthy boundaries, there can be a part of you that's like, oh, hmm. Yes. You know, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. You know, (laughs) instead of just a full yes. I was probably like, oh, you know, (laughs) I got to what, you know, give me a second. Yeah. You know, but the very fact that what you just said, that there are going to be children, adult children who want to have these conversations with their parents, their parents are good people but maybe they're doing some things that it's not going to be good long-term for that relationship. So that is one of the main reasons I wrote Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, so that you can read this in together as a family. Like 
Maybe your parents can read a copy and you can read a copy and you guys can come back and discuss this because my counselor, Jim Crest says this, and I really like it. We need to prepare in times of security for times of struggle. Mm. And so don't wait until there's a big issue with a lot of emotional tension that has to be addressed immediately, because that's a really hard time to step in with a boundary, because then it can be some, we can be tempted to use it as a weapon to control other people because we just can't stand them doing this anymore. You know, we don't want to do that. And so I I pray that people read this in community, in their community, and it'll cultivate a better understanding of healthy boundaries and hopefully give both sides an opportunity to recognize the importance of keeping this relationship healthy and that boundaries will play a crucial role in that. Thank you so much for your time and for this message. Your book is out today. So when, when people hear this, they can get it wherever they get their books. And congratulations and thank you so much for this message and for your time. Well, thank you so much for having me today. It was a delight to spend this time with you talking about a topic that is not easy. And mm-hmm. I, I want to leave that you, you know, you boundary conversations and, and considerations and all of that. It's not easy. So don't listen to this and run out and try to establish all the boundaries in all the relationships. Just pick one area of relational chaos, get the book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, pray through it, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and let my words help you have the emotional fortitude and the biblical confidence to do what you need to do for that important relationship. Well, and it's a little bit of a permission slip as well. I think there are so many people who are going to read this book And it will be the first time that they realize that they can have boundaries. (laughs) And that's exciting too. I agree. I agree. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.